0: What is the state of risk in Minnesota? Want to hazard a guess? This is way over our heads. It's a weather and climate podcast. I'm Jim Dubois, Kenny Blumenfeld's a climatologist. Kenny, how are you doing on this kind of gray early December morning? Uh, I, I don't know. I'm liking the wordplay, though, Jim. Very nice. <laughs> uh, yes, I wish I could take credit for that. <laughs>
1: yeah, we're doing all right. How, how are you this morning?
0: You know, I'm doing well. We were talking before we started recording about, you know, trying to stay in shape, getting exercise during this era of COVID, and uh, a lot of us are struggling. We can't say the weather hasn't been cooperative, at least to this point. It's been pretty darn nice outside, but uh, if you were uh, like some of us, uh, it's kind of hard to get that motivation going. Yeah, I mean, I I agree. I um, you know I
1: try and get out there every day, but what I'm finding, biking is kind of my vice, and I'm just the the rides are not what they would be in a typical year because I don't have I don't actually have to go to work. So right. yeah, I I think that you know we all we all kind of crave, or a lot of people anyway, I think mean, we recognize how good it is to get the heart rate up, how nice it feels if you're, you know, <laughs> if you kind of ex- exhaust yourself a little bit, but it's it's just hard to get to that point. Um, except for that, you know, I think you mentioned, we do see the truly devoted people out there, oh, but yes. you're, you're also right. The weather has been not the reason, right? I mean, you can't get fall weather more conducive to these outdoor activities than, uh, than we've had recently. I mean, almost no precipitation, very, very little precipitation and totally mild conditions In some, in some cases downright warm.
0: Right. So we, we can't say, Oh, well, it's, you know, it's been too wintry or anything like that. Yeah. It's just kind of a challenging time. And for those of us who have always enjoyed exercising and being active, you know, it also is a huge boost to mental health. So I guess, uh, We'll make a resolution that uh, despite the challenges of COVID and the kind of dark days we're living in today, not only figuratively, but literally, we'll have to get more motivated to get out there and exercise. But uh, (laughs) let's talk about, Kenny, the state of risk in Minnesota. That's how we teed up the show. And FEMA, the Federal Emergency Management Agency, released a study, and it uh, outlined counties in Minnesota that had the greatest risk of Harm from weather, and in this case, there were, I believe, four counties that were uh, highlighted: Ramsey, Hennepin, Freeborn, Nobles. And am I missing a fifth by chance? I don't think so. You know, I, I don't, I don't yeah. know off okay. offhand. But if if anyone wants to see this,
1: they can just sort of search for it: National Risk Index, and you'll see this kind of kind of slick. But also, I, I've already found some issues with it. But it's a mapping interface where basically it maps out every county or every census tract in the country. And then it's basically a, sort of spatially quantifies different risk metrics. And so, and the overall picture though, I mean, did you have a, have you, have you seen the index, Jim? Because we kind of got a, I got an advanced look at it and then uh, got a heads up from someone at the STRIB that they wanted to do an article about it and it's kind of an area that I'm, I'm somewhat familiar with. So knowing what kind of
0: what they were getting at was pretty straightforward. Um, but did you get a chance to look at the tool? No, I did not. I just read the article in the Star Tribune mm-hmm. in the Sunday paper. And I should also clarify something I said. I think I said... Uh, weather-related risks. These were all kinds of risks, including wildfires, things like that. You know that might have a weather or climate component to them, but it isn't necessarily related just to weather events per right. se.
1: Yeah, generally meteorological and geophysical risk. It wasn't. Uh, it was. It was just a natural hazard essentially risk index. So, I mean, the basic concept is that if you think about risk. The first component that everybody always thinks about is the hazard itself. So the tornado or the blizzard or the windstorm or the hailstorm, you know, whichever, maybe it's a landslide or a flood. So that's kind of one piece of risk, but it's not the only piece. Just imagine sort of the proverbial tree falling in the proverbial woods. That uh, is almost a non-event if there's then no proverbial witness, right? Right whereas that same tree falling in your neighborhood is going to take <laughs> going to take down a power line and maybe damage your roof it's going to upset some squirrels or something right all <laughs> right so so there's another component of risk that is beyond that hazard itself it's a human component how much property do we have uh you know how much area are we covering how many people are we cramming into an area uh so it's it's really a a set of human metrics that determines the overall risk once you kind of uh, interface those human factors with that hazard in question. So ultimately that national risk index is a map of human vulnerability in a sense. And it's also a map of human population concentration. And then secondarily, it's a map of where the hazards are. So a lot of the, you know, the reason that Hennepin and Ramsey counties really stand out as having higher risk than most of the others is because we have more people, we have more things in those counties. So a a tornado, for example, would tend to be more damaging. Now, it's also true, however, that the whole state has, you know, a history with this kind of extreme and hazardous weather. So and you, you will actually find a little bit more of it in parts of far Southern Minnesota. So the, the tornadoes and the straight line winds, are just a little bit more common as you get down in towards the Albert Lee area. And so there's a, a situation where maybe the hazard itself is more of a driver of risk than in parts of Northern Minnesota. But uh, in the Twin Cities area, our risk is really driven by the fact that we have things to damage and people to harm. But another, another thing that kind of jumps out with this, and, and I would say for the most part, because Minnesota is very active, we have pretty good coordination between state government at the Department of Public Safety and Homeland Security Emergency Management, pretty good coordination down to even local jurisdictions. And so in a lot of places, I, I wouldn't say every place, but a lot of places, this map this set of maps isn't really much of a surprise. I think the real value of it is that it can fill some gaps in the counties in Minnesota, and especially in other parts of the country that just don't have the resources to get the kind of awareness that a lot of counties in Minnesota already possess. So, you know, for Hennepin County or Ramsey County or St. Louis County or Olmstead County, Stearns, I don't think there were any real revelations in these maps. There wasn't much that Emergency management wouldn't already know. But when you get into some of the counties in Arkansas, where there aren't very many resources to answer some of these questions, um, yeah, I think that the maps could be very helpful. But another thing that really stands out, Jim, is that Minnesota's hazard landscape, you know, we're all pretty familiar with it, but our risk is relatively low compared to other uh, essentially, poorer parts of the country. The, the way that the maps are color coded, you kind of see for the most part, you know, there's some areas where Minnesota looks like, yeah, we've got some high exposure to some of these risks, but our resiliency, our ability to recover, as opposed to just being totally wiped out and economically destroyed over the long term, uh, our ability to recover is pretty high. And that tends to lower risk a bit. So it's an interesting index for sure. I I definitely think anybody who likes maps and likes being able to click on something and then get a bunch of information connected to it uh, would probably like this. It's the National Risk Index. You'll know you're there because it's part of FEMA. FEMA released it. So,
0: yeah. Interesting. Well, you know, you were mentioning, Kenny, the uh, saying about if a tree falls in the woods and no one hears it, did it actually happen? And one event that came to mind actually was discussed in the article in the Star Tribune was the 1999 Boundary Waters blowdown, that tremendous deratio. And uh, in the article, it said, you know, had that same event struck the Twin Cities metro area, you know, it was devastating enough in the areas it hid in the boundary waters, and then as it traveled uh, farther east. But it would have done incredible damage in a major metropolitan area like the Twin Cities. And uh, to your point, I mean, some of these events that happen in uh, sparsely populated areas, as destructive as they are, as powerful as they are, they just don't inflict the same kind of damage, either human or, or physical damage, because there aren't that many people in those areas. But bring an event like that to a highly populated area, and it's absolutely disastrous. Yeah, I mean, you're right. The, and the, we've had these, we've actually had
1: Boundary Waters equivalent blowdowns in the Twin Cities, just not in recent years. But in 1983, we had a wow, a real nasty one that that tracked from the Lake Minnetonka area through the northern suburbs and if you look at the damage photos from that event it was almost otherworldly i mean there were cars thrown into buildings and thrown across parking lots and some of the malls in northwest Hennepin county and northern Anoka county houses that were leveled to the ground and bombarded by you know by other objects i mean it was so one of those really, really high end wind storms can be catastrophic. I mean, they're already really bad in in a forested area where people are recreating and have no shelter, but they could be, they can be catastrophic also in, in urban areas. So yeah, very good point.
0: Well, we're recording this on the 7th of December. This is of course seven days into meteorological winter. We don't get uh, astronomical winter until the 21st of December, the winter solstice. And um, let's talk a little bit, Kenny, about uh, what we left behind in November, our last month of meteorological fall. How did November shape up weather and climate-wise for Minnesota? I mean, it was a pretty warm month. The
1: one thing that really stood out is it was warm. We had You know, we had record warmth in that first, it wasn't right away, but it was basically from election day into the ninth, uh, across Minnesota, various parts of the state were setting various records in, uh, it looks like Granite Falls out in Western Minnesota actually tied Minnesota's all time record high, uh, for November. So any station at any time, warmest, uh, reading now on record is, uh, 84 degrees, in Granite Falls, I think that was November fourth of uh, two thousand twenty. That actually tied a record there uh, from Winona in southeast Minnesota back on the first of November nineteen fifty. But uh, yeah, with lots of lots of also stations, lots of stations uh, setting their all time November record high temperatures. So that was kind of the first third of the month was really defined by this excessive warmth, and then of course you may recall sort of early mid-November, we got another snowstorm, uh, especially southern and eastern Minnesota, several inches, and it snowed a couple more times over the north. But really, that was it. We didn't have any deep cold air in November. And by the second half of the month, although it wasn't, you know, excessively warm the way it had been at the beginning of the month, we just resumed these kind of mild conditions, the same ones that we have in place now, where Typical day was between 5 and 15 degrees warmer than the the normal for that time of year. So, uh, yeah, I would say November generally finished as a warm month. It was a little dry in some places. The areas that didn't get the snow were pretty dry. So parts in far northern Minnesota, northwest Minnesota didn't get very much precipitation. But, you know, we're also getting into that time of year where a typical month doesn't give you that much precipitation, so the deficits can only be so large uh, over the as you get into winter. But it was a warm month, uh, basically top twenty around the state, maybe uh, top fifteen in some areas also. But it was yeah, it was a good, good warm month in uh, in Minnesota. And I'd say that you know <laughs> December started off as if it didn't know that the calendar had shifted at all. Just December started off continuing exactly what had happened in November.
0: Well, let's talk about the weather that lies ahead. Today, we're recording on the 7th of December. It's uh, kind of a dreary December day. What does the weather look like going forward? Are we going to see more mild, unseasonably warm, unseasonably dry, perhaps, conditions? Or do we have uh, any storms in the offing? Well, I mean, we are stuck in a pattern right now
1: where it is, you know, even if we get some small variations in it right now and for the foreseeable future it's just kind of mild I mean I do see so uh, there's a lot to unpack with that because these these warm December conditions are you know increasingly common we've talked about this um, the warm kind of early winter conditions have been, pretty typical in Minnesota over the last few decades. And you know this is kind of emblematic. Now we are in a La Nina pattern and La Nina does historically slightly favor cool and snowy conditions. But one of my colleagues pointed out that those kind of typical La Nina conditions often don't set up right away. So we'll see, maybe, maybe we get kind of a, a, a later winter. In any case, sun should come out for Tuesday and Wednesday, and you're going to see the temperature soaring in parts of western Minnesota both days. Uh, I would not be shocked to see 60 degrees across parts of the Buffalo Ridge in western and southwestern Minnesota, and up just on that somewhat higher terrain west of the around and west of the Minnesota River. Uh, I would not be surprised to see some temperatures in the 50s and 60s, maybe low 60s especially Wednesday. It looks kind of like blockbuster warmth in southwestern Minnesota. In the Twin Cities area, uh, we could see 50 degrees, maybe a little bit warmer. Maybe we don't quite make it there, but it's going to be a very mild day on Wednesday. And even parts of northern Minnesota will see temperatures in the 40s. It's going to cool down a little bit after that, but we don't really see any big, big, big cool offs. Nothing that's going to plunge the temperatures well below normal. We are watching uh, the the weather models, Jim, have been kind of hinting at and starting to converge on the idea of a sloppy winter storm system for Friday and Saturday with rain and thunderstorms in the warm sector and then snow, maybe really heavy snow even, on the cool side. This would be a heavy, wet, back-breaking type of snow, that kind of heart attack snow. It's hard to say exactly where that's going to be because this weather system hasn't even hit the the west coast of the United States yet. But if you kind of blur your eyes, the Twin Cities look in in play. Northeast Minnesota definitely would be in play for snow. But southern Minnesota, including the Twin Cities, might also see some rain um, mixing in with that snow. And some areas might just see all or mostly rain, including the chance for some thunder. So we're watching that. It's not, I would not at this point change any plans probably don't have any plans (laughs) but (laughs) but i wouldn't be changing plans yet because there's still the chance that this thing scoots off a little farther east there's still chances that it just doesn't get as the phasing or the merging of the different systems that would kind of go into making this might not actually occur the way that some of the models advertise so it might not be as strong could also end up a little farther north So there's nothing certain, but we're looking at kind of Friday, Saturday for some uh, potentially interesting weather. But, you know, Jim, usually after you get a winter storm like that, the temperatures really bottom out for a few days. And what we're seeing is, you know, maybe temperatures getting down close to what we think of as normal this time of year in the areas where we get snow and maybe a couple reinforcing shots of cooler air. But the longer range models, the ones that go out 14 days and even longer, just show the the warm and mild conditions returning. So maybe we get a little blip here, but uh, predominantly mild conditions punctuated by a very warm uh, time on Wednesday, where temperatures are going to be 20, you know, 15 to 25 degrees warmer than normal, depending on where you are. So uh, that's kind of what we got. And, uh, you know, I think that Jim Dubois, my... uh, (laughs) (laughs) My co-host here has been really enjoying this, but I've been hearing and we've been hearing, uh, Jim, from the, the, yeah, a lot of people are unhappy and they want their winter back.
0: Yes, yes. (laughs) They want
1: their winter back.
0: Kenny, you're right. I have been enjoying this weather immensely, but I do understand uh, the people who love winter, who love winter activities, and I, I don't want to see them robbed of those experiences, especially in this time when we're we're clawing to get any kind of sense of normalcy into our daily routines. So let's keep our fingers crossed. Now we are, what, about two, a little more than two weeks away from Christmas. Do you care to hazard a guess as to whether it will be a, a brown or a white Christmas this year? Well, I think that part of Minnesota will have
1: a white Christmas, and I think that part of Minnesota won't. And it really depends. I, our big chance is this next snowstorm, and maybe maybe there's another one waiting in the wings behind it. I would say the chance of a statewide white Christmas is pretty low right now. Just We just don't have enough cold air in place. But there's enough of a sign that at least one of these storms will produce some snow that I'd say some part of Minnesota, half of the state or so should, should have a white Christmas. I think that's actually what people are most upset about right now, that there's that, you know, there's holiday lights out. And um, in that sort of pre-holiday period, I think people like to see snow on the ground. I don't, I don't think a lot of people other than the hardcore recreationists are wanting you know, 12 weeks of continuous snow cover and, 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 cold conditions. I'd say most Minnesotans would take the mildness if, uh, if they could have that sort of snowy holiday season. But, you know, then again, there's not a lot that people can do when it's 35 and kind of foggy and mucky in January. So I, I do know quite a few people and I'm definitely one of them who would, if it's going to be cool or cold, give me the snow and you know i have a, right. i have a strong affection for winter and uh i miss it whenever we don't get it and i and i'm also you know i like climate extremes too so if we get a snowy winter that is also kind of astonishingly mild that's a kind of an interesting combination but again once you start piling up mild winters um we had one last winter if we have another one this winter then you have to broaden the conversation out from weather to talking about the changing climate because uh, that's sort of one of our key symptoms is these warm warm winters where people are scratching their heads in December and go what 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 is this i don't remember these from <laughs> the olden days
0: right so So statistically, Kenny, I think I recall seeing at one point in the Twin Cities, there was a one in five chance of a brown Christmas. Is my number in the ballpark there? Yeah, we're uh, 75% to 80%
1: chance of a white Christmas in in the Twin Cities. Uh, And, you know, really that, now you have to be careful because what you might think of one and what the, what actually technically counts, those could be two very different things. So If it snows in November and the majority of the snow melts and all that's left are these little shrouds of gray ice, but where the official snow depth measurement occurs, that (laughs) leftover frozen slush is deeper or can be rounded up to one inch, then that's a white Christmas. Um, We've actually in the last couple of years or several years. There've been a couple times where we kind of got saved by that bell, but I don't think that's what Bing Crosby meant. <laughs> and so, <laughs> so, you know, I think we'd have to, in the Twin Cities area, probably bump it down another 10 or 15%. So maybe the chance of, you know, six out of 10 years, you get a truly white. Christmas with you know with actual snow powdery snow fluffy snow thick snow on the ground and you know and then uh, then kind of on the margins maybe one out of 10 years or so or one to two out of 10 years it's kind of a cheap skate (laughs) it's kind of a cheap skate snow cover (laughs) when you go farther north uh, you know there are areas in the arrowhead of Minnesota where this is not an issue they get almost every year, and only in extraordinary years do they not have snow on the ground by mid-December. Um, so I'm talking about the the Superior Ridge and the Superior Uplands and the Highlands areas. so Isabella, um, even Ely, the areas just off of the North Shore just go up a couple miles out of two harbors, uh, the west side of Duluth or the um, the kind of higher areas of Duluth near the airport, you can sort of follow a line right up through Grand Portage, Minnesota uh, that parallels Lake Superior and from a couple miles to the sort of north and west of the lake. And then for several miles, maybe a couple dozen miles inland. Those areas are probably quite likely to have snow on the ground If they don't have it already, it'll be on the ground by the holidays. But International Falls has become increasingly iffy over in recent years, although it's still greater than ninety-five percent chance historically of having snow on the ground on Christmas morning. Duluth is similarly high, not quite that high, but uh, yeah. So, but here in the southern Minnesota, and especially in parts of southwestern Minnesota, you get closer to you know sixty percent, seventy percent.
0: So we'll keep our fingers crossed, Kenny, and perhaps uh, for those who are missing winter, the storm system that's coming in Friday and Saturday will bring some of the white stuff they crave. Well, well, let's hope. Let's hope it's not just a slush bomb. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll keep our eyes on it, and we may have a perhaps a storm to talk about a week from today. Perhaps. All right. Well, we'll talk to you next time, Jim. Sounds good, Kenny. Take care. This is Way Over Our Heads. It's a weather and climate podcast. I'm Jim Dubois, Kenny Blumenfeld's a climatologist. We'll catch you next time.